Wasn't that fun? I love us. I love our family. I love our church. I love Kendall campus. I love Gables campus. I love all of the families that are connecting with us through church online right now. And we're in, we're, here's what I'm remembering today. The Christmas angel said to Mary when she said, how, how is this going to happen? You remember what he said? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. We celebrate a God who does the impossible. And this is our hope. So wherever you're making your connection today, I want you to repeat after me. Nothing is too hard for God. Okay, let's try it again. Take a deep breath. Even if you're sitting by yourself in front of your computer, let's voice our faith together right after me. Nothing is too hard for God. Yeah, now let that just settle in on you. Let it lift you. And then let's remember this promise together from God's word. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. I'm going to pray. You feel free to join me if you'd like. Gracious Almighty God, we thank you for the profound gift of life, for the wonder of love, for the meaning that love gives our lives, for our families, our friends, those close to us, those who have cared for us and those we care for. We thank you for the way you have modeled love for us and the way that your life is larger than this life the burdens of this life, the challenges of this life, the hard adversities that we face in this life. And so we pause before you today, humbling ourselves, seeking your face, laying our burdens down, confessing our sins, and inviting you to honor the promise you made that you will forgive our sins as we turn from our wicked ways and that you will heal our land. Bring healing today, Lord. Heal our homes. Heal our hearts. Heal our, co our communities, our countries. And bring us to a place where we can celebrate your grace and your truth. As we make our prayer in Jesus' name. If you join me in the prayer, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Well, Christmas parties are going to be different this year. But one thing that is not changing is that God still wants everybody to come to his party. And we've been counting down the days to December 25th, building our nativities. We've been lighting our candles. We've been remembering the first Christmas and then celebrating the very best gift Ever, as Paul wrote, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Some gifts are just too big for words. And the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior, is one of them. And today we're only four days away from Christmas Eve. So, you know, you, we've been tracking this year the first Christmas invitations that were recorded in the Bible throughout history. Before Jesus was born, 
hundreds and thousands of years before he was born. I think the first predictive element dates back to a time 2,000 years before Jesus' birth. And the invitations came from prophets in terms of predictions and promises that were inviting people to prepare him room from the beginning. So we've been marking the words of the prophets and those predictions and those promises that God announced the coming of Messiah and we were to make room in our hearts and in our homes in anticipation. And in our daily devotional countdown, we have noted, well, so far, um, I, I took 30 key indicators from the 300 predictions that we find throughout Hebrew Scripture and sized them to the 25 days of December before we celebrate Christmas. 30 key indicators from ancient Hebrew history that the first followers of Jesus saw fulfilled in him and then they didn't want us to miss, those who would be later in time didn't want us to miss them, so they wrote them down in their Gospels and in the New Testament letters. Those were written 2,000 years ago. And so we've been anticipating opportunity to prepare him room for a while. Then in the messages of um, the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew, we see... God's invitation coming to draw even closer in. As first, the word fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, God with us. They will call him Emmanuel, which is God, which means God with us. This is why the angel came in that first Christmas season to speak to Mary and to Joseph. To, to let us know that he wants to be with us. And um, this is why he came. He became part of the human family so that we could become part of his family by faith in Christ. Now today, we're going to think about other guests who show up at most nativity scenes as well. Perhaps you've got yours out and you've got there the, uh, the shepherds and the magi. Or also known as three kings or the wise men. And these two groups both show us that God is inviting people near and far, people high and low, blue-collar, white-collar. He's got educated intelligentsia, the intellectuals from afar, multilingual intellectuals, and he's got the illiterate shepherds. And that represents for us bookends. That that's for everybody in between as well. And the invitation at that first Christmas, everybody has a place, an invitation to Jesus' birthday party, which tells me God's invitation culture is radically inclusive. I think Luke wants us to see that. I think Matthew wants us to see that. When God sends out invitations, he wants everybody to sense the inclusion, which means he reaches out to rich and poor alike. And so this Christmas, we seek to do the same thing. Every Christmas, we seek to do that. But this year, we're doing it in a different way. We reach out and we invite everybody we know to check out what God is doing in Bethlehem with the one that they will give the name Jesus because he saves his people from their sins. Matthew 1.21. Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. Simply means to deliver, to rescue, to save. You will call him to save because that's what he's come to do. It's like God was in Christ 
rushing on the scene that he, as a first responder, as a firefighter, he's coming to the rescue to rescue us from the penalty and the power of sin. That's what it means. Give him the name Jesus. He saves people from their sins. And so then to the pagan magi from afar, he speaks through a star in the heavens. Sky language is a language that they we're familiar with. It's a language they spoke as stargazers. So when God bears witness and offers invitation to the first Christmas, he's speaking their language. And so they follow the world indicators as it brings them to Jerusalem and then, well, to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. But in Jerusalem, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who is to be born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now that, of course, was alarming to Herod, um, to have wealthy pagan intellectuals from foreign lands show up telling him that a new king has been born and the skies have pointed them that direction. And so he's unnerved. He's... he's, uh, He's a little, he's disturbed, I think, is the way it's translated. It set him on edge, but it also triggered some very smooth hypocrisy. He says in verse 8, so tell me when you find him so that I can worship him too. And of course, it was, that was a lie. He had no intention of, of worshiping. He had violence on his mind. He was going to protect his power, whatever it took. Still the Magi came. And still they kept seeking, and they were following the star as God's invitation to that very first Christmas celebration. Now, we're familiar with the story, but just pause for a moment there and and realize this. That all by itself is coloring outside the lines. In its day, in its time, and yet God didn't want anybody from the world that he made and the people in it that he loves to be outside. And yet God was showing up in ways unexpected. And speaking of unexpected, how did the shepherds feel the night they got their invitation? I mean, God met them right where they were. It wasn't that far from the site, but right where they were. And he spoke in unmistakable terms that would be really, really hard for them to not understand. They're minding their own business. They're on watch. It's the middle of a dark dark night. They're trying to keep their sheep safe on the watch from predators when all of a sudden it's like, bam, you got this, uh, like a a fleet of space vessels materializing out of hyperspace, you know, and and suddenly the sky is full of them. But first, I mean, just radiating light. Can you imagine? Now, Luke tells us that he knows the story because he interviewed people. Can you imagine Luke sitting down with some shepherds he had found that were actually there the night that it happened? And he's, and he's listening to them, these old guys now remembering. Where, tell me what it was like. He said, oh, well, yeah, there was this. I mean, we were just out there minding our own business. And then suddenly there was this beam of light. And, and then it looked, it was an angel. It was an angel. And it scared us to death. So Luke writes this. Chapter 2, verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And uh, then what happened? 
Well, one guy says, you know, well, they told us the Savior was born in Bethlehem. No, 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 that's not the next thing he said. The next thing he said was, don't be afraid. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Don't be afraid. So then Luke writes this. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. There's the radical inclusivity of God's invitation. Today in the town of David, oh, it's just over there. They were close. A Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then from out of nowhere, bam, that's when the whole sky lights up. And suddenly in the middle of the night, it's like the middle of the day. And everywhere they look, it's like this too many, all these angels, too many to count, and they're all together praising God in one great voice, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. God is bringing favor. And then just that quick, they're gone. So one of the guys says, so we said, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. I bet they did. See this thing which the Lord has told us about. And sure enough, when they got there, they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. The same type of feed trough that shepherds would be very familiar with using to care for their animals. What's the message? Here's what I'm getting from it. There's no place that God doesn't want to hear there is no person that God wants, that God doesn't include in his, the breadth of his invitation list to this party. But it also shows us how God shows up in unexpected ways. Do you know the story of Conrad the cobbler? Came to me in my preparations this time around. I'm thinking if children, if you're watching and joining us at home, you may just want to get out a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil or some crayons and then draw some pictures that come to your mind as I'm telling this story. It happened one Christmas at White Year's End. Two neighbors called on an old-time friend and they found his shop so meager and lean, made happy with thousands of boughs of green. Conrad, the shoemaker, with face ashine, suddenly stopped stitching on the shoe with twine and said, Old friends, at dawn today, when the rooster was crowing the night away, the Lord appeared in a dream to me. And he said, I am coming your guest to be. So I've been busy with feet of stir, strewing my shop with branches of fir. The table is spread, the kettle is shined. And over the rafters, the holly is twined. And now I will wait for my Lord to appear and listen closely. So I will hear his step as he nears my humble place. And I open the door and, and I see his face. So his friends went home and left Conrad alone. For this was the happiest day he had known for long since his family had passed away. And Conrad had spent many a sad Christmas day. But he knew, with the Lord as his guest, this Christmas would be the dearest and best. 
And he listened with only joy in his heart. And with every sound, he would rise with a start and then look to the Lord to be standing there in answer to his earnest prayer. So he ran to the window after hearing a sound, but all he saw on the snow-covered ground was a shabby beggar whose shoes were torn and all of his clothes were ragged and worn. So Conrad was touched. And he went to the door and he said, your feet, your feet must be frozen and sore. And I have some shoes in my shop and, and I've got a coat that will keep you warm too. So with grateful heart, the man went away. But as Conrad noticed the time of day, he wondered what made the dear Lord so late and how much longer he would have to wait when he heard a knock at the door. And he ran to the door, but it was only a stranger. Once more, a bent old woman with a shawl of black and a bundle of sticks piled on her back, and she asked only for a place to rest. But that was reserved for Conrad's great guest. But her voice seemed to plead, don't send me away. Let me rest for a while on Christmas Day. And so Conrad brewed her a steaming cup and, and told her to sit at the table and sup. But after she left, he was filled with dismay. For he saw that the hours were passing away and the Lord had not come as he said he would. And Conrad felt sure he had misunderstood when out of the stillness he heard a cry, please help me. Somebody, where am I? So again, he opened his friendly door and stood disappointed as twice before. It was only a child who had wandered away and was lost from her family on Christmas Day. And Conrad's heart again was heavy and sad, but he knew he should make this little child glad. So he called her in and he wiped her tears and quieted her childish fears and then he led her back to her home once more. But as he entered his own darkened door, he knew that the Lord was not coming today. For the hours of Christmas had all passed away. And so he went to his room and he knelt down to pray and he said, Dear Lord, why? Why did you delay? What kept you from coming to call on me? For I so much wanted your face to see. When soft in the silence, a voice he heard. Lift up your head, for I kept my word. Three times my shadow crossed your floor. Three times I came to your lonely door. I was the beggar with bruised, cold feet. I was the woman you gave to eat. And I was the child on the homeless street. God shows up in unexpected ways, doesn't he? He did that first Christmas. That's what we saw. And, uh, and he's doing it this Christmas, 2020. This Christmas, sometimes we just don't see that uh, he's answering our prayers, even now. 
And sometimes we wonder, well, why he's not? But he, he is, but we just haven't seen it yet. Is that possible? And we just don't see that in the everyday acts of kindness and generosity that we're actually showing Jesus' love. He said, and as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. So when we love our neighbors, what we're showing is that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus could never just give one command. What's the greatest command? Love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's like there are two sides on the same coin. Two sides on the same coin. You don't just spend one side of the coin. They come together. They show up together and love your neighbor. John, the beloved, the disciple that was known to be very close to Jesus, wrote it like this in his letter. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who doesn't love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And I've told you that one of my favorite stories, a Christmas story, was A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. We even included it in an earlier talk. But Scrooge, at one point in, that, in the opening of that story, he's talking with his dead partner, Marley. You might remember where he says, Marley, Jacob, you were always such a good man of business. To which Marley responds, mankind. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, benevolence, these were all my business. The details, the deals of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Christmas teaches us, teaches me, that mankind is my business. Or as Jesus said, the Father's business. I must be about the Father's business. And so when we show others kindness, it's also an act of love to God. So how are we going to prepare him room this Christmas of all Christmases? Well, we've said we're going to prepare him room in our hearts, through his word, in our homes, through our practice together. And usually at Christmas, we do it in our church buildings, but not this year. You know, this year what we're doing, we're anointing and appointing hundreds and thousands of church buildings all across this county this year. We're commissioning every person who has followed Christ to be a site of Christ's journey in our county. So we're not gathering here, but we are distributing to every neighborhood where we live, and we're praying God's blessing to meet us there. And so some of us have already been doing it for a while. We've been counting down the days, and we've been praying for five of our neighbors, three that may live right across from us and two others that live on either side, wherever you are, that you can just ask God to, to help you meet and befriend five neighbors. Like Jesus said, love your neighbors. And then, you know what we've done? We have not only prayed for them, we pray five prayers of blessing for them. We pray that your 2021 will be a better year. Would you mind somebody praying that for you? <laughs> Lord, would you help my neighbors have a better year next year than we just came out of this year? The second prayer request is this, for physical healing and wellness. 
than a year of physical challenge. The next blessing is this, financial resourcing and provision. Would you mind somebody praying for you to be healthy and have the finances that you require? I don't think our neighbors mind us asking that. God blessing for them. And then what? How about relational healing? Our, our relationships have been so challenged this year. Would it... Would you mind somebody asking God's blessing upon your family, your marriage, your kids, your parenting, your relational life and business as well? And then the final one is this, spiritual wholeness. That the one who came to save could bring some salvation into every situation, especially where those of us who already know him find ourselves. And we could be the ambassadors of joy as opportunity presents to uh, share not just a prayer of blessing. And I've been doing that in my home. I don't go to my neighbor's house and say, do you mind if I pray for you for a moment? That's not what I'm doing. I'm seeking to be responsive. I'm seeking to be sensitive. I'm seeking to be discreet. I'm seeking to be present. And so yesterday, Lisa and I took some treats, homemade treats that I helped make too. I did. I held the fudge bowl while she scooped it out into the pan, you know. I mix the cookie dough for the homemade chocolate chip cookies. I'm in on it. And so then when I go there, I can say, and I help make those. <laughs> you know, we're Santa's helpers this year. And you know what we have typically done all the years that we've lived in Miami is we invite the neighbors right from around us and say, we want to have a holiday party. We celebrate Christmas. We understand you may not. But we would love to have you as guests in our home. And then we gather. Only this year, you know what we have to tell our neighbors? Not going to do that. But we still want you to have some homemade treats. And we're still asking God's blessing upon you, upon your relationships, upon your family, upon your business, upon your life. Anything we can ask God to pray for you, we'd love to. And the next thing we're going to do is invite them to check us out on demand on Christmas Eve. And then it's in their hands. Whatever the Lord wants to do. Just like the night that the angels came to the shepherds and said, you know, you... You could go over to Bethlehem and check something out. And then it was up to them. And just like he did to the Magi, he put a star in the sky, and then they had to decide, was well, that worth following? That's what we're doing. We're just being the Christmas angels. And I'm inviting all of Christ's Journey family, those of you who aren't even a part of, you wouldn't consider yourself a member of our church, but you connect with us regularly online, and this is something that we can do even online. We can befriend others and invite them to connect, and who doesn't need a little inspiration? And you can even say, you know, I'm, I realize you may have questions about this. In fact, Pastor Bill talked about that last week and the week before, so that might be something you want to check out, but this week, who couldn't mind a little inspiration? And so I'd love for you to be my guest. And then we're asking God to show up and this do what God does. And what does he do? Save us. He saves us. We're asking God to show up. Save us. Save our marriages. Save our families. Save our children. Save our community. Save our country. Save our world. Lord, Lord Jesus, Yeshua, the one who comes to the rescue, the one who comes to deliver, save us. as we turn to him and help others to do the same and find and follow Christ. Would you pray with me? Gracious Almighty God, 
this is just, it's so beyond words to even conceive of how you would write yourself into humanity's story, into the, the pages of history, real and concrete. And then how you would live your life And by your touch, blind eyes would be opened. Lame legs would walk. Children would be restored to their parents. Water would be turned to wine. And you would speak to all who would listen, saying, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I pray that today for somebody who's thirsty. May they take their turn of faith right now to you and drink, draw water from the well of salvation right now. And believer, if you've been following but you feel a little dry, you feel a little isolated, you feel a little disconnected, would you just lean in right now and realize that the angel's words are for you too? That that star was in the sky for you? that that baby was in the manger for you. And now as God has included us, we have the privilege of including others. Use us, Lord, that your love and your joy, that your light might penetrate the darkness and bring inspired joy for a new year that is just on the horizon. And friend, if this is your first time to be connecting with us or you've been with us before and wondered, how can I begin a relationship with Christ? It begins with a simple prayer. The scripture says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become a child of God. You can receive him right now. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe you came to save. You came to save me. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your presence and lead me as I learn to follow you. And I make my prayer in your name. Amen.